we will make this quick because we know your time is valuable. The Dairy Strong Conference is January 16th through the 18th in Green Bay, Wisconsin, a new location. And we'd love to see you there. You can learn more at dairystrong.org. You, your farm, and your future matter to us. Welcome to Dairy Stream, a podcast focusing on opportunities and challenges impacting the future of dairy. This podcast is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations fighting for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Joanna Guza. Digital tools and the use of them continue to grow as industries look to improve in the future. This is true in agriculture and across the agricultural value chain. Today, we are going to focus on digital tools and the oversight of this technology. I am joined with Kip Tom, former U.S. Ambassador of the United Nations Agencies for Food and Agriculture and currently the chair of Tom Farms. A few items we will cover today are the impact of digital tools, balancing policy and innovation, cybersecurity, and a message to decision makers on digital technology. So Kip, if we could just set the stage, what digital technologies are we focused on and the impact that they've had on agriculture and food? Well, let's first look at adoption of digital technologies. I, I think most adoption has been by uh, really a select few people. Uh, not, it's still a new space for many people. And uh, so I know the U.S., they keep talking about 30% of the farms. And I think they're talking about crop farms are adopting uh, some form of uh, digital technology. I got to believe it's higher, much higher probably over on the dairy segment. Uh, but uh, when you look at the UK, I know they're in around 20%, and then you look at Europe, they're around 10%. But how are we using that, I think, is, is your question is. And I would say today most of us are using digital tools to increase productivity. I think that's the first stage as we look how to better manage our, our herd of cows on feed efficiency, uh, maybe some of uh, you know milk fat and all the different ratios and, and feed rations that we can feed and how how that's working within a cow and and uh, the way we can monitor that on a on a grain farm we we use uh, digital technologies to variable rate apply fertilizer chemistries uh, seeding rates uh, and then we collect that data and we we actually have many learning experiences over a period of a year's time so we're using it to increase productivity increase efficiencies lower our cost hopefully and understand our better what our better methods are in our operations so we can continue to increase productivity. Now, saying that, I think you're seeing a lot of this start to merge towards where we're taking it to into our record keeping, our financial analysis of our businesses now, so we can better understand how to plan for the future. So we're slowly bringing it together, but still, when you look at all industries, agriculture rates towards the bottom in adoption of digital technologies, down with the mining industry, actually. So we got a long way to go. But uh, I believe in the future, you know, it should be used as a tool to drive innovation, to make sure farmers can continue to increase productivity and their sustainability on our operations and find and strike out for new business relationships from all the digital information they're collecting. Kip, let's just share some examples of what digital technology we're talking about. Are you saying GPS? I heard you say the variable rate. Is artificial intelligence included in this category of digital technologies? Yeah, absolutely. It's GPS. It's machine learning. It's uh, uh, AI is going to be, I think it's going to grow faster than what we're, we won't be able to keep pace with it. The velocity of innovation is going to rapidly increase. And uh AI, I think, used appropriately, will be able to add value on our farms. But 
but uh, we've got a lot to learn about it, how to use it effectively and safely. I, you know, I continue to have growing concerns over uh, cybersecurity risk in agriculture. I, I think, uh, you know, we as an industry, whether a farmer or rancher, we take a lot of things for granted. We trust people. We just, we just do things because we know it's right and we trust our partners that we deal with. I think uh, we need to be a little more cautious with our digital technologies, make sure that we maintain that ownership and control of that data, and make sure that we have the safeguards around it to make sure that it's not uh, stolen by those wanting to capture our intellectual property, trade secrets of how we produce, and uh, that competitive edge a lot of us use it for. And we will get into cybersecurity and that data protection in the second part of Dairy Stream. Kip, you kind of alluded to this in your first answer, but how are digital tools changing egg production and the food value chain? Yeah, I think we're going further up the chain all the time. Uh, uh, when I look at what we're doing now, you know, for instance, uh, on our farm, we're, we're variable rate applying fertilizer, chemistry, seed, increasing productivity. We now need, know how we need to irrigate our farms and do it in a more effective way. So we're using less uh, utilities or, excuse me, energy to water that crop if we're irrigating. But we're taking this data now and sometimes we're moving it on into some of our partners that we're working with. For instance, if we're supplying uh, grains into an ethanol plant, maybe we're using it to provide our sustainability that we're using less fertilizer to produce more. Maybe we're going to uh, someone that produces a meat chicken and we can provide that information to show our sustainability for their customer, which could be Whole Foods as an example. And so I, I think we're using these tools to try and gain market access and at the same time uh, explain to the consumer just how we are sustainable and how we've been doing this for some time and that we continue to evolve. So that's just a few examples. I think there's a lot more to come, but I think how we partner in the future, the way we develop businesses together with other individuals and, and those in the private sector, the digital tools will give us the access to be able to do that. Right. And with the consumer wanting to know more about where their food comes from, this is a perfect tool that's going to help us kind of showcase how farmers are doing a really great job. Now, it's all about balance. What kind of balance is there with having digital tools and being monitored? Well, I guess it depends who you're talking about that's doing the monitoring. You know, I'm I'm a believer, you know, as a farmer whose family came here in the late 1600s, I believe that uh, the best monitors are one generation saying that farm on to the next generation saying that we want to hand it on to you in better condition than when we got it. I, I think America's farmers and ranchers are best at that. And I think we've, we've evolved over time where we're really trying to take care of our ecosystems, our environment that we operate on, trying to have less impact on the climate. Uh, I think we're the best judges of that. So by saying that, I think you know where I'm going is I don't think we need to have uh, a lot of this information flowing into the government's hands. I know there are policy regulators or, or individuals out there that are pushing policy in Washington and certainly within the EU to capture that data, but it, but it will be used to, to make sure we're complying with the regulations. And unfortunately, I think that's gonna slow the rate of innovation, the investment in data systems for farmers if we start to get at the point where we're just supporting information going off to the government regulators. So now you kind of jumped into that next question. Should policies or regulations be put in place? First of all, this, the, the data remains the property of the person that's generating it, that being the farmer or the rancher. And I think we need to maintain full control of it. 
uh, think about it. If, if someone had access to a large aggregation of data, how they could use it to understand what's going on and basically trade the market with it. You know, I think there has to be a lot of caution. And I think we've got the companies that are have been providing these products just in the past, they've got good safeguards and they've got a standard of, of ethics that they're sticking to, that they're not going to do anything like that. And I believe them. You know, we got choices of who we work with. And I think we've got good partners we work with on these data systems, these private companies. But when it comes to government, I get really concerned that this could be a slippery slope if we're providing information to the government and turn it into a, a regulatory oversight that in time could take uh, agriculture into being more of a public utility. I don't think any of us want that. That's not how the free market works, and that's not how our democracy was designed. In the second part of Dairy Stream, we'll talk a little bit more in depth with who he sees uh, overseeing these tools and ensuring compliance. But one more question as we wrap up this first part of Dairy Stream. Kip, with your experience as the former United States ambassador to the United Nations Agencies for Food and Agriculture, do you have an example of something in the U.S. or outside of the U.S. being overregulated and outcomes that came from that? Well, certainly. You know, well, we know at the EU, the European Union's Green Deal, the Farm to Fork Initiative, I encourage anyone that's involved in agriculture to take some time and read that to understand where we don't want to go. And uh, that's what's going on in the EU right now. I, when I spoke at the OECD in, in Paris just uh, in the last month here about digital agriculture, there is a clear motivation and a plan in the EU that they want to capture all producers' data by, I think, the years 2026. Now, there's a couple hurdles in a way. One of them is farmers using digital tools is still at a very low rate. And the second part of that is uh, the, the validation of that data. So I see it as being an example. We can watch and see how it occurs in Europe. But one thing for certain, we got to make sure we don't leave producers behind because let's face it, not everybody wants to get involved in producing uh, digital information and sharing it with everybody. We just like growing our crops, taking care of our herds of cows, and making sure that we do things right to increase our productivity. So we've got some challenges. One thing I think we can learn from is the past and things that have happened in the past. And maybe hopefully, you know, that can kind of predict some of the future things so we don't re redo things that we've done in the past. So one comment you made was that this could become like a public utility and run in that form. Is there any other scary outlooks that you could see if we do overregulate digital technologies that could happen in the future? One of them is, like I said, it's access. You know, I, I believe we need to get young farmers and young people involved in agriculture. And uh, I certainly don't want uh, the access because of the capital cost required. And I'd say as well as uh, the, the human expertise to understand how to use these systems. I don't want that to be a barrier to farmers to do what they, what they do naturally. And that is produce crops and, and protein for the global consumer. When I think about that young person coming into agriculture, it takes them a little while to get up uh, uh, the capital that they need to run their farm. So I get really concerned when I talk to people that say that this needs to be fully adopted by all producers and ranchers across the United States. So uh, we've got to be cautious about making sure we're not providing headwinds to those young people wanting to get involved in agriculture. We've been talking with Kip Tom. He's the chairman of Tom Farms and former United States ambassador to the United Nations Agencies for Food and Agriculture. In the second part, we will cover who should oversee digital tools, cybersecurity, and the future of this technology. Hang on as we will be right back after we hear from our Dairy Stream supporter. 
The Connectera team is on a mission to empower the dairy industry to increase productivity while reducing the impact of farming on the planet. How do we do this? We've built a platform that transforms data into intelligent digital experiences and products, solving problems for farmers, farm advisors, and companies across the dairy industry. How does it work? Our industry-leading data integration capabilities and cutting-edge artificial intelligence models power an easy-to-use app and APIs. Our solutions save customers valuable time, empower better decision-making, and facilitate better collaboration across the value chain. Visit Connectera.ai to learn more. Dairy Stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. In the second part, we're going to talk about who's going to oversee these digital tools, cybersecurity, and the future of this technology. Well, Kip, who should oversee or monitor the use of digital tools? When we look at this and you look at the adoption, it's a very complex situation to look at when you look at all the farmers and ranchers and the diversity across the United States, let alone the world. And then we start to say to ourselves, who should be involved in, in making sure that the policy fits everybody's uh, ability to, to meet the regulatory guidelines there? So who should have oversight of this? I do believe that the government in some way could probably come out with some kind of policy to make sure that this information remains that of the producer, the farmer, the rancher, the owner of the dairy herd, the farmer of the crops, that it's their information and they have full control of it. Uh, you've got to have some kind of policy out there to state that. Otherwise, I, I worry about it being uh, subject to uh, not the best outcomes. And that's why I think uh, whether it's the private sector, whether it's the government, uh, whoever does this, we've got to have some kind of policy out there in place. Otherwise, I think we're subject to being compromised or the data being compromised. And if we were to keep this in the government's hands, hypothetical, would you say USDA should be involved? Who who should be within the government watching it? Yeah, I'd say possibly it would be the you know the USDA. You know, let's use the example of crop insurance. Uh, you know, we're already providing a high level of, of data to uh, risk management (RMA) and uh, in terms of what's produced on our farms, the yields by field, and as an example, historical over time, those kind of numbers are something that are pretty, pretty easy to share. And there's not going to be a lot of intellectual property going along with those. So USDA would probably be the likely one that we would go to with that data. But again, I think we've got to be very cautious to make sure we have a stopping point in this. Does it continue to grow into, well, they have this this year, Next year, they want to go further and uh, collect another layer of data. So I think we've got to be very cautious. And when you say stopping point, what do you envision that looking like? Well, I think you've got to have a number of actors involved in, in making those decisions. But uh, the stopping point means uh, I don't think we should be using this inf- information to understand a farmer's compliance, let's say, for instance, uh, with use of uh, the products that he uses on his farms. Mm-hmm. I you know, you start doing this, and if it's unvalidated information or data, uh, you could soon take and reduce the number of farmers in the United States very rapidly, just by accident, by not having good data going into it. So I think we've got to be very cautious about how we use these tools. And I know one comment you made in the first part is even maybe having the 
the companies that are developing these digital tools kind of have a little bit of that oversight because they're so in, you know involved in this. But we have to make sure that they're also are staying compliant and following the rules too. Well, this comes back to the, the earlier question about policy. And I think this is where we, we do have to have some kind of regulatory policy in place where it says how this information can be used, who owns it, who controls it, and how far it can go up up the supply chain, whether it's USDA or, you know, for instance, if I make the decision to use a certain company's platform uh, to better manage my farm, uh, that's a choice I've made. I've read the, the agreements that go along with that contract. And at any time I want, I can always pull away from that company and extract my data and move away from them and not use them the following year. So we have the ability today, the flexibility that the right of ownership to remove ourselves from their use. Now, if we want to go in two, three years later, we can always do that again too. But the reality is we still control it today. My fear is if if we get some bad actors that come in us or some, some cybersecurity risk that, that infiltrates or breaks down the uh, firewall in any one of these organizations, and they've all spent a lot of money to protect that information, I want to make sure that it stays stays in-house and, and we've got to have the safeguards around so to make sure we don't have this information being stolen from us. In the first part you mentioned, hey, hang on government, we don't want you overseeing. Now in this part we asked who and you said, ah, oh, government, maybe you might be the person. Just for someone that might've heard you say both of those items, where is the balance with having this monitored? I guess there's there's two different things we're talking about there. I would say the government oversight to, to regulate the industry possibly to make sure that this information isn't compromised and that uh, companies aren't taking advantage of it. And, and I don't know of examples today where anyone is any company that is taking taking us for granted and using our data in a in a way that's not consistent with our own beliefs. But I'm not talking about the government doing this to, to extract data for a regulatory process. So there are two different topics we're talking about here. One is, yeah, we need regulatory reform to make sure that the regulatory regulations put in place so that this, this information is protected. But I don't want to go to the point where the government's coming out here and saying, we're going to use this information to regulate you or make sure you're remaining in full compliance with our programs either. So there's, we've got to be careful where we take this with the government. What are your thoughts on cybersecurity and regulation, and how do we protect eggs data? So if you take the companies that are involved with today, you take Meyer uh, and, and their climate platform, they have extreme amount of safeguards there to protect that data. Uh, I know there's been attempts at breaches, and uh, they've stopped them at times, and they've partnered up with the right organizations now that I, I believe that everything is safe, and I trust them. And that, that's part of our, when we look at a company that we want to work with, and we know that it's got the safeguards in place to protect us from any threats of either stealing our data or compromising or holding us hostage. I want to go with a company that I know has the safeguards in place. And not everybody has that. And uh, they've done a good job as an example of making sure our data is protected. And maybe that's a question, I mean, for the farmers that might be listening, whoever they're doing business with, that should be a question that they're asking that business is what are your safeguards so that they aren't going to be uh, a part of a cybersecurity breach. So, Kip, the digital tools are developing at a rapid pace. How can we keep up in terms of monitoring it? That's going to get really interesting, especially as we go further into AI. Uh, these tools are going to AI tools are going to continue to accelerate the velocity of uh, 
their ability to weave their way into our organizations, maybe in a good way and maybe in a bad way. So it's going to take the best of the best uh, in the data science world to understand uh, just how we were protecting this information. Well, let's face it, uh, look how much our lives have changed in the digital world in just the last five years and the protections we have in place and uh, we're hardly keeping pace of where we need to be. So uh, we're going to have to rely continually more and more on people making good sound judgments of how they protect that information. Last question for you as we wrap up this part of Dairy Stream. What is your message to companies developing the digital tools and your message to policymakers on digital tools? So kind of two different audiences you're talking to here. I think there should be great restraint shown in transitioning from digital technologies as a tool of empowerment, efficiency, and productivity to tools of regulation, compliance, and enforcement. A recent study on the future state of risk shows that one of the fundamental challenges of the future farmer is the increasing cost of regulatory compliance. At the same time, they are facing increased commodity and climate risk. We need to be empowering farmers in the face of uncertainty, not regulating them out of existence. There is no fundamental compelling reason for a farmer to produce except for profit. The greater cause of feeding the world and a tie to the rich history and heritage of farming. If farming becomes oppressive due to regulation, we will expedite the contraction of agriculture and decrease the likelihood of feeding a growing global population. If we want farmers to embrace digital tools to become more efficient, we must not simultaneously use them as an enforcement tool. So at the end of the day, government doesn't have the power to produce food, but it does have the power to support those who do or conversely, to create the very food scarcity it seeks to avoid. So I think we need to keep all that in mind as we think about the digital world and agriculture and producers and regulations. Mm-hmm. And Kip, I think you are a very unique person because you can talk farmer to farmer, you you know, owning a farm, but then also being involved in government, you can talk to other decision makers. So when the question comes up, when uh, the government's talking about what should we be doing about this and they want to go to the farmer, what's your advice or what would you say to a a lawmaker then to make sure that they do reach out to that farmer and get their perspective on how they think it should be done? Yeah, I think that happens all too often. Uh, A lot of policy regulations and laws become a reality without uh, talking to those who it really affects and that be the farmer or the producer. Um, you know, I, I encourage every audience I speak to, uh, whether they're going through their association to get in front of policymakers, uh, I encourage them as individuals to pick up the phone and, and call their, their senator or their member of the House of Representatives and, and, and voice their concerns. I think uh, we're still a very respected voice in Washington, D.C., and it's up to us to make sure we're involved in, in communicating that message. If we don't, there's going to be others shaping this message that don't have any real clarity of the realities of growing a crop on a daily basis. And uh, it's not easy. And many of us have done it for multiple generations. And I hope farming continues to be a family farming legacy that uh, many generations can continue to uh, use in the future. 
Let farmers be the problem solvers and keep them on speed dial to ask any questions that you have and get perspectives and experiences that are being used with digital tools on farms. There is so much potential, and I believe it is really exciting to be experiencing all these digital tools and resources that we have available. I want to make sure that I thank our guest, Kip Tom, for sharing his experiences and expertise. Also, the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative want to thank you for tuning in to learn more. I'm your host, Joanna Guza, for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, email us at podcast at dairyforward.com.